Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Big show today, 2019 year in review, and happy birthday to us. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Ozzy Garcia, and this is the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast fluent in gaming. As another year comes to a close, it is time for us to look back on the year that was and talk about what we learned and what we enjoyed. Specifically, we'll be talking about our favorite games of 2019 and also our favorite non-2019 games we played in 2019. Say that three times fast. Before we dive into the episode, <laughs> please remember that if you like what you hear, then please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and more importantly, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Think of us like PBS, because it's listeners like you that help make this show happen. Except we're not asking for money, just a kind review. So with that said, let's roll on. For this very special episode that only comes once a year, I am joined by the entire crew via the wonders of internet technology. Starting on the farthest time zone, over on Greenwich Mean Time Plus One, in the Venice of the North, our favorite and only redhead, Jeff Ivitz. Yo, 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 hey guys. Taking a trip through the Atlantic, 3,328 miles to the west in the smallest U.S. state, it is her in-house persona expert, Arnaldo Perez. God, I feel like Rose in Titanic when she's like, I'm 87 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Coming down the Interstate 95, past the Long Island Sound, in the home of the Bronx Sheer, it is her favorite guy that could pass off as Dominican depending on the day, Anthony Oriaga. Wow, that's... I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Very culturally insensitive. Yeah. I sound uh, Anthony. That's a, that's a success for me. Let me, let me, let me contact He's never at a loss for words. <laughs> All right. We then hitch a ride on planes, trains, snowmobiles, and maybe even sled dogs to the capital of Canada's westernmost territory. It is the man that may have been looking for gold, but all he found was a game room. Paul Romalo. I'll take the game room over the gold. Gold, that seems yeah. a lot of work, man. Like, have you ever seen these guys, like, mine for these little flecks? And... Oh, man, and no thank you. I, it just seems, like, absolutely dreadful. I mean, having to, you know, just kind of see whether you have a little bit of gold and all that dirt, it's, uh, no. Give me the game room. Give me Persona yeah. 5. <laughs> it's basically outdoors gambling, right? <laughs> basically, essentially, with yourself. <laughs> And so with that, we have a damn full house. More importantly, we are recording this two days after a little podcast, the one that just happens to keep on chugging has turned two years of age. Cue the music, guys. (laughs) Cue the music. (laughs) More work for me. (laughs) That's all. All I thought was like, oh, fuck, Paul's going to be mad about this. Just do like one party streamer popping or something. It's Listen, we got to put techno because we're still living in 1999. Oh, Lord. And so a lot has happened in the second year of the Region Free Gamers, where we started 2019 with 1,900 downloads. As of the time of this recording, we are sitting at 11,000, which to me is Ooh. completely unbelievable. Oof, that's yes. crazy. Uh, so... Congrats, guys. guys. We also released 31 episodes, so if you're counting, that's more than two episodes a month. So there you go. And we literally could not have done that without the editing machine that is Paul. So, Paul, we're going to give you a very nice golf clap for you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We also launched a website, which is still in the scrolling phase, but we hope to continue improving it this coming year. And uh, more importantly, we have also continued to build an awesome community, mostly through Instagram and Arnie. You're the one that has put in the most work in making that happen, so props to you. Yay! 
Yay, Arnie. No golf clap for me. I know. I was like, damn, not even nothing. Not a whistle. Nothing. The biggest thing, of course, is that we added two fine gentlemen to the show, Jeff and Anthony, who have already got two episodes each under their belt and have a lot of ideas cooking for 2020. So, Jeff, let me start with you. How do you feel when you look back at your time so far on the pod? Yeah, I've had a great time. I mean, it was a massive honor to join you guys. Uh, enjoyed the pod almost since the beginning, I think. Um, I've been on Instagram for quite a few years, so when when this came up, it just felt like something mm-hmm. uh, worth listening to because uh, I think I was talking to Paul when he was uh, 8-Bit Yarns. Um, so uh, definitely go way back. So uh, it's been <laughs> great to, uh, to join you guys. I've had a blast. Yeah, and we really have had a lot of fun with you. I mean, we needed our British host quota so you feel bad so thank the, you all i can do is oblige the, <laughs> the existential dread really only sets in after like 10 months <laughs> and anthony over to you has joining the podcast been what you expected uh yeah 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 i mean i i totally expected coming in it was going to be just a lot of uh a chat show <laughs> Nah, it's just been, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun, but it was going to take a lot of work and dedication. Yep. From, you know, it, it wasn't like, it's been fun. It's been definitely uh, a creative influx in my life, you know? And how have you been able to manage, you know, between your stand-up, which you also started back up during the time that you joined the podcast and, you know, doing the podcast stuff? Uh, drugs. <laughs> um, no, I'm Very kidding. helpful. Very helpful. No, no one, no one take that serious. No, just... <laughs> I honestly, I don't know, man. It's it's a uh, it's one of those things, though. I can say with, with when it comes to the stand up and when it comes to the podcast is that whenever I finish doing either one of those, you just you're just on a high, you know. You just mm-hmm. yeah. you you know you did, you had a good episode, you had a good show, you're just on a high, yeah. and it just keeps you going for the till the next one, you know. Absolutely, but it's also, I mean, for us, uh, you know the guys that were here before it's also good to just kind of look back at 2019 because it really does feel like a year that you know we had a lot of changes and i think that you know we didn't quite expect that we would get the traction that i think we have right now looking Mm -hmm. back on 2019 do you think paul yes and no um yes in that i think we do a really great job and the show is a lot of fun and i think that comes across so why wouldn't we get more popular? But, mm-hmm. you know, no unexpected in that, you know, who expects something like Success. this? Yeah, exactly. Right. There's like five billion podcasts out there. So, you know, the fact that we have, you know, honestly, like the fact that we have such a, a great core group of listeners that we chat with and they help mm-hmm. kind of get the word out about the show. It's a lot of fun, man. It's really cool to see. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the best part at least to me it's just kind of listening Mm -hmm. to people saying you know you really made my day when you know i saw the episode you know pop up on my feed and now i have something to look forward to on the Mm -hmm. weekend or now i have something to look forward to on my commute i mean we don't really think about it when we're recording but it really does make a difference and it kind of gives you you know the warm and fuzzies in a way and you know at least to me when i look back on 2019 you know, you said that, yes, because we do a good job. But I mean, as you said, there are five billion podcasts out there and mm-hmm. so many of them fall through the cracks. I think there are not that many with like three, four five guys just shooting the shit that get to 50 episodes. And uh, <laughs> I think we've blown past that right now. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the fact that we're still going after that kind of is a testament to not only your dedication, but also the fact that 
you know, we may be doing something right, even though sometimes, at least, you know, myself, you know, I kind of doubt myself. But I think it's validation to hear from the community that they like what we're doing. And I don't know, Arnie, what do you feel? How do you feel about 2019 and, you know, whether you expected this or not? It's crazy. I I mean, I've never had a personal project go past like maybe two months. So the fact that we're sitting at two <laughs> years is it's crazy. Very true. Um, <clears throat> but I just had one of these experiences yesterday, I think, where somebody put up a story. They were like, oh, just listen to Region for Gamers podcast and decided to start this game back up again or decided to pick this game up. And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, like every time it happens, I'm surprised. And people are like, I've had more than one person be like, no, the community loves you guys. Like, you know, people like really listen to you. And it's like, it puts it in perspective when somebody like just puts it into words in front of you like that, instead of just numbers on a download screen or whatever. Um, yeah. 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 I like when my good taste like infects other people. <laughs> <laughs> Your good taste for total recall. <laughs> that yeah, has exactly. other people. <laughs> More than one person has, has mentioned Dragon guard three to me in like the last two days. So I will say that that virus cool. is spreading. To be fair, I mean, that episode, as of the time of this recording, only came out this week, so it just happens to be timely. But I think the next question I want to ask you guys is, what has been the biggest surprise of 2019? And, you know, for once, I'm just going to start with myself, and I'm just going to say, holy shit, the Vice City episode got like 850 downloads. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It continues to be insane. Like, for, for reference... Every other episode hits like 250 or yeah. 240. Vice City just kept on getting downloaded like 80, 100 times like every month. It was just insane to us. And it just kept going and it just continued to have legs. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why. I mean, besides Anthony and his joke about my dogs <laughs> being white. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that, go back to that episode. But I guess, Jeff, what has been the biggest surprise since the time you've been here? I think the biggest surprise for me um, is just been how easy and natural it has been to kind of fit in and how welcoming you guys are. Not to say that I didn't think you wouldn't be welcoming, but I think I was I was also really nervous. I had a lot of doubt as well, and I hosted a couple of episodes, and it's taken quite a bit of confidence to do that. Um, and I think I've kind of surprised myself a bit because I've I've often thought of doing something around gaming um, out in the media, mm. but joining people who get shit done and actually have actually done something rather than talk about doing something like that's been uh, yeah. uh the biggest the biggest thing for me uh, but for surprises yeah i think it's it's how how good and easy it's been uh but uh, it makes me think there's a lot of hot a lot of work to go on to make 2020 better than 2019 so i think that's uh Absolutely. that's that's the test that's the gauntlet that i'm laying down anyway <laughs> yeah, the fact that we hate changes has nothing to do has not impacted our decision at all in letting you join us. What is what I'm is the world's the fascination with gingers? Why does everybody like talk about <laughs> hating gingers so much? I have no issue, man. Like they've just largely been delightful it's okay, people. Paul. It's okay, Paul. Paul. I don't, I don't, you don't get it. You don't need to. You don't need to. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know. You, I know. He's you used to this. He's had it all his life. <laughs> what about you, Anthony? What uh? What is your biggest surprise so far? uh just you know it's uh it's hard to jump into something that you guys have established and not feel like okay i gotta do something more yeah yeah (laughs) you know like (laughs) so true like you just want to like i want to let you guys down this and that but um and i you know and as we get as we keep going we're gonna obviously this podcast in general is still in its infancy 
you know mm-hmm. but you guys have it established already so it's kind of like I, I maybe i speak for jeff too like we just come in and we're like yo what else can we do like what else can we what other ideas can we do to to you know make this pop help make it easier but you guys have just made it like so seamless you know and and, yeah. and it's allowed us to just focus on getting more comfortable hosting or coming up with ideas and throwing ideas back and forth you know yeah yeah absolutely arnie what do you think i mean i said it before but i i just the fact that we're still going, you know, another year down, it's crazy. I mean, I remember when you told me that you just wanted to have a podcast that made it to a year. Yes, <laughs> so. and now I'm at two. So if this whole thing ended tomorrow, I guess I'd still be proud. <laughs> no, but it's but true. But you know what they say? You know what they say about the terrible twos? There we go. We'll see yeah. what, what 2020 yeah. has. No, but it, <laughs> it's, it's true what Arnie said though. Like it's uh, it's hard to keep get a project to start a project is one thing, but to keep it going, especially when you have several people involved. Yeah. Um, but I think the uh, the core group right there, you three guys, like you just kind of set the tone and set the balance that it's that we don't have any roadblocks ever. You know, everything's just everything runs smooth week to week. And it takes, yeah. Yeah. you know, th- that's not easy. It's not easy to do at all. Yeah. Well, it helps that Paul takes up a lot of the editing. So yeah. <laughs> thank you, Paul, once more. Yeah, Paul. Uh, yeah, no, I mean. And, and don't downplay yourselves. I mean. Yeah. We all we all put in we all put in our time and like the editing has I mean stuff like that like all that technical nonsense that's been streamlined over time like I'm not saying that it doesn't take time and work and so on and so forth but it's not like at the beginning at the beginning like geez man our first episode (laughs) I think it took me like 10 hours or more to edit and it was just so like god it was all so slow and meticulous and now I couldn't care less. Like we just throw whatever garbage out there, and you know, <laughs> quality yeah, control we, has definitely stepped in. The yeah, we've, <laughs> we've arrived at a certain baseline of sound quality that right. kind of allows us to just kind of plug it in and kind of start editing and going. We don't really have to fix a lot of the audio. It's just good that we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, but Paul, what's been your biggest surprise in 2019? You know, it's. I wish I had an answer for you. I wasn't really expecting the question. Not that, you know, you need to share these things with us beforehand or anything. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of (laughs) flat-footed by it. Honestly, like, I would say the biggest surprise... There hasn't been a heck of a lot, really, that's surprised me. Like, probably just the fact that we kind of keep growing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if... I don't know if I ever expected us to plateau, but you know, the the show is growing very slowly and very steadily. And it keeps, you know, it helps keep the motivation going. Like, look, the fact of the matter is, when we started this, my, my point of view was always like, let's just focus on number one, having fun. Because as soon as it's not fun, then it's over, right? Mm -hmm. And talking about video games, it's really difficult to make that not fun. Because, you know, it's just something that I've done my entire life. And here we've got, you know, all these like-minded people. And the time just flies, like, when we're recording an episode. So, Mm. number one was to have fun. And uh, number two was to just kind of keep improving, right? Like, you know, the sound quality's improved. I think our, you know, performances, like, speaking on the pod, I think we've all improved in, in various ways, getting rid of, you know, certain verbal tics or speaking more clearly, enunciating more clearly. Like, we've all kind of slowly improved all that stuff over time. And those are really the only two things that I cared about. I figured if we just took care of those two things, then the rest would fall into place. 
And so everything kind of just has fallen into place, right? Like the show's fun. I think it sounds good. And people are slowly getting turned on to it. And, you know, that's that. So I hope we keep going for, I hope we keep going for another year. And frankly, I don't really see any reason why not. We're having a good time. Yeah, I mean, we are very critical of ourselves, I think. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think that we are good arbiters of our own performance. I mean, Paul, I think there's been more than one time where you were like, yeah, I don't know if I was into that. And then it blows up. And then people are like, that was my favorite episode. Yeah. And you're like, huh, go figure. Mm Uh, so I think that's something that is constantly surprising to us. I mean, I do remember, Paul, there were many moments in like 2018 that you came up with a question and, you know, are we still having fun? And I think that's something that we kind of stopped asking. We've mm-hmm. just kind of taken it for a matter of fact that, you know, we were okay with doing this. And the way we kind of see it amongst ourselves is, look, even if we don't really grow exponentially you know it's kind of we're just having fun with friends we're just kind of chatting with friends and there's always time for that i mean you can always take time you know like two hours or three hours of your weekend in order to just chat with friends and i think that really is what you know makes it go if there's a point that we don't care for each other or we don't really like talking about this anymore then you know that's a moment that whatever, one of us or two of us or all of us say, you know, this is it for me. I've kind of hit the end of the line. And hopefully we don't get to that point ever. Uh, But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, (laughs) I'm sure it'll be Arnie. Like, eventually I'm just going to get sick of Arnie. I'm going to be like, I've had enough of this guy. I mean, you already have another Puerto Rican on the show, so I'm assuming this is phase one. Apparently Dominican. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to is just having fun with, you know, with what we're doing. And I think in, in that regard, I think that we're doing well. Uh, but, you know, just moving on and looking to the future, what can we expect from the podcast in 2020? Let me start off with you, Arnie. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> hopefully more guests, honestly. That's what that's what really drew me to the project in the first place. And like, I think that that's the thing. I think there may be fewer overall, but I think that the quality of guests, like the bigger names we can get and more interesting people, maybe industry people, people like that, I think would be would be a really good move for us. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've cut back a little bit on, on guests. I think yeah. one of the reasons is, you know, there's so much that can go wrong and mm. that sometimes can take a lot of time and effort in order to fix things that may go wrong and i think that's why you know we felt a little bit more comfortable saying okay we can cut back a little bit on guests yeah and the other thing is just that we have five you know hosts amongst us and yeah i yeah. think that you know the need to have airtime really becomes more critical and so that has made the impetus of getting a guest uh, a lot less necessary so i i think in that sense that's why I think we're going to become more selective and mm-hmm. there are going to be fewer, but I think it's going to be much more significant. Uh, you know, we've loved every single guest that we've had in the past. It's just, yeah. we're going to kind of really consolidate it because we are just all now, you know, very comfortable with where we are and, you know, just each one of us has something to say and we're going to keep carrying that over. Yeah. So, uh, Paul, what, uh, what do you think uh, we can expect for 2020? You know, not to sound boring, but my hope is more of the same, right? I mean, I don't... 
I don't really want to to add a heck of a lot because you know we're very cognizant of workload and burnout and so on and so forth, right? This is all、mm-hmm. this is all built on sweat equity, right? Like we don't really spend a lot of money、yeah. and and so on and so forth. So you know that's something、yeah. to be very conscious about that we don't work too hard because then once it stops becoming fun and becomes work, then that's when everything ends, right? So you know I just、yeah. kind of hope that. The show itself improves, and we have good guests from time to time. Like we will be bringing back some people that we've already had on, and hopefully we'll have、yep. some new, but overall fewer.、Um, yeah, that's、uh, that's pretty much it. More of the same, but hopefully better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, uh, are there any topics in particular that you may want to bring to the podcast、uh, in 2020? Yeah, well, definitely going to echo Paul's thoughts and mentality. I think that's the、uh, you know you want to have fun, want to see it continue to grow, but、uh, do it in a way that、uh, doesn't require us to、um, to kind of go outside of、uh, of what we enjoy doing this for your for your topics. I'm really looking forward to、yeah. uh, delving a little bit more into、um, some of the British. Uh, side of things, especially some of the older developers and pub and publishers who were out in the nineties. So I'm definitely looking forward to、uh, kind of diving into those a bit.、Um, and yeah, I'm also looking、uh, at doing some things around the、uh, uh, anime side and around perhaps some more longer term franchises, kind of like I did with the Turtles episode.、Yes. So kind of、uh, there's quite there's quite a, quite a few things I think we can get on with. Okay, and Anthony, what uh what do you have in mind for 2020? Um, I think just. It's really just trying trying to come up with just more creative things that I could push out here, you know. Without, like you guys said, without、uh, creating more work, you know. I I,、uh, I definitely want to, like Jeff was talking about, delving into more topics. I'm I really I'm trying. My mind goes a little crazy, like when I'm like <laughs> doing, you know, thinking of ideas or whatnot. So I kind of always got to <laughs> step back, you know, and start from scratch. So I was actually thinking about just.、Uh, You know, starting、uh, thinking of、uh, like for episode ideas with just going starting with the eight bit era again and just starting、mm-hmm. with the games that I just grew up playing and then just going from there. You know, just kind of going my just doing my own timeline and just revisiting a lot of the past because a lot of the the gaming that we do and a lot of the collecting we do is all ba- based on nostalgia and, and great memories.、Yeah. So I kind of want to、uh, delve more into that and and kind of see like how it connects with everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least on my part, you know, a lot of what we do, and Paul mentioned this, and and Jeff echoed it. A lot of what we do is kind of on a cost benefit analysis basis. I know that. I imagine people would want us to do something on YouTube and kind of put our faces out there, and you know, put videos and stuff like that. You know, the reality is that we just don't have the manpower to do that, and it、yeah. would take kind of dedicating a lot of our time to that. And you know, the time that we take is time that we're not, for example. Playing games, which is something that we should do if we're going to have a podcast,、mm-hmm. um, yep. and、yeah. that's something that I think you know we have thought about in the past, and it just decided. Look, I you know we don't think that it's going to be worth the effort. So, but I think for this year, one of the things that I really want to do is dedicate more time to long form writing, and I, I think that you know the website is a very good vehicle for that. And I really want to improve our website. I really want to make it something that people actually go to and people actually read what we're doing. So you know, I I think that's something that's kind of my New Year's resolution for 2020. And I hope that others contribute to the website as well. I think that's one of my goals for 2020 as well. So I think、uh, 2020 has you know a lot of potential to be a very good year for us, and、uh, hopefully、yeah. it pans out in that sense. Yep. 
All right. So with that, let us take a quick break. And, you know, we're going to get back and talk about what our favorite games of 2019 were, the favorite games that we played in 2019. So we'll be back in a little bit. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, and we're back, and we're going to go over to Netherlands again and talk to Jeff. Uh, Jeff, what has been your favorite non-2019 game that you played in 2019? Ah, really good, really good place to start, because nearly every game I played is a non-2019 game, so that's great. Um, <laughs> my, So, I've gone through all my shelving, kind of go, right, what have I played, what have I picked up for the first time, because I tried to pick up a game that I hadn't I hadn't played at all. Um, and a game fell very, very nicely right into the right into the middle or in between 2018, 2019. And it's a game I think Arnie is probably is either interested in. So hopefully I can convince him. But my non-2019 game of the year, 2019 fact, <laughs> Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. Yes. I oh, have been oh. very interested in this. I did not expect to hear that. I didn't take you for a uh, Jakusa, like a dragon type guy. I am a very mysterious uh, person, Ozzy. Yakuza <laughs> <laughs> um, Zero was one of my favorite games of what, 2017, was it? Jesus. Was it? Yeah, it was. It's been I that think. long. Yeah. God. You know, Jakusa um, doesn't get enough shit for releasing a game almost every year. Sometimes releasing <laughs> two games every year. Um, I don't think we fault it like we do for Call of Duty, but they've been they pumping those so out, well. man. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah, yeah, so so Lost Paradise. So probably a bit of pre-tech, pre like bit of context for everyone. So I'm a massive Hokuto no Ken, Fist of the North Star fan. It was one of the very first animes I watched. Um, Hyper violent. My mum didn't realize what we were hiring from Blockbusters. Get it home. Put it in the in the, in the, in the VCR and. Suddenly there's blood everywhere and I thought this is the most incredible cartoon I've ever seen in my life. So it had a like, it's a major thing for me. I've got most of the terrible games from the 8 and 16 bit era. They're all, they're all mostly terrible. Um, yeah. The beat em up on the PS2 is, well, from the arcades uh, by Arc mm. Systems is utterly fantastic. But um, but yeah, this one, this this one from Yakuza, well, from the Yakuza team, I absolutely loved it. And it's not because it's got the best gameplay. It's not because it's got the best story. It's not because it's the best at anything. It's mm-hmm. it's there because it's the most fun I've had all year. And I think that's where if you can't smile and laugh at Kenshiro, mix, 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 when he's creating a <laughs> cocktail, then I think you don't have a soul. So... That's, that's kind of like, I just really fully enjoyed it. You've got also when he's done, you do like a lot of mini games where you're playing baseball with an iron girder and you're hitting hitting guys up into the distance to create the uh, Big Dipper sign in the sky. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're running a hostess bar, typical Yakuza. That's amazing as well. It's, it's just a lot of like fan fulfillment. Um, and yeah. yeah, I had a great time playing it. Yeah, I know you played it, Paul. How, you know, how do you view Jeff's assessment of that? 
I, I concur. Like, it's it's just fun, right? Like, it is so it's so ridiculous. But I mean, it's it's a Yakuza game, so it should be ridiculous. You know what I mean? But like, when you combine the whole my my enduring memory of Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise is the way Kenshiro constantly says that he doesn't want to fight. And then two seconds later, he's wasting everybody. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, look, guys, guys, I don't want to fight. Like, you don't, you don't really want any part of this. And then the punks are like, yeah, let's go. Let's, and then he beats the crap out of them. No matter how many times he says he doesn't want to fight, I'm like, that, that's just, that's code. It just means he's going to fight. It's great. <laughs> and let me ask you a question, Jeff. I mean, one of the things that may shape your perspective on Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise is how many Jagusa games you have played over the last three years. And I guess the question is, had you played any Jagusa games recently before this that was not Jagusa Zero in 2017? Yeah, I played uh, Kiwami of, you know, the, the first remake. And I enjoyed that, but I found after going from Zero to Kiwami, that's it's, it's a bit of a step down because in a way that yeah. the world just completely closes up. And you're like, sweet, I want to go here, here, here. Well, it's not open. Um, so that was a little bit of a disappointment, I guess, Kiwami. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think this, I think uh, Lost Paradise is based on an older Yakuza engine as well. So it's not really the most current. Like, the, the, the environments are quite drab. The fighting gets very... It's, it's as simplistic as most other Yakuza fighters that, that, are, that are, you know, that they've done. It's not exactly the most yeah. enthralling of gameplay, and you kind of because you're Kenshiro, if you can't win every fight, then there's something seriously wrong with your gaming ability. So I'm presuming you didn't get yeah. killed at all, Paul. <laughs> I mean, the Jakusa team has kind of developed this kind of pipeline where they've been able to take a lot of the same assets, they've been able to take yeah. the same engine, and just yeah. kind of translate it into a product. I mean. I still think that we need to give them a lot of props because creating so much content, I mean, every game has over a hundred side quests and so mm. many of them are so zany. Yeah. I mean, Arnie, you can attest to this. Yeah, And absolutely. the fact that they can continue coming up with all these creative ideas just seems really, you know, impressive. And yeah, I'm and really think, excited. Yeah. Yeah. Go and ahead, and Jeff. I, well, I think with, with, with uh, Fist of the North Star, you've got 35 odd years of source material. You know, it's a bit yeah. like with the uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot game coming out. It's like, yeah, you've yep. got all the material there. You just need to either pick a story or pick some characters out of a, an endless cast. And as long as you've yeah. got some guys who understand the series and maybe even talk to Tetsuohara or, or Bronson, then mm-hmm. then you could easily make this, like, just reuse assets and what have you. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and did you... Because I want to ask you, how did this game compare... Because Koei Tecmo took a stab at the Hokuto no Ken franchise uh, in the Dynasty Warriors mode. Do you play that? Yeah, yeah, the uh, uh, Ken's <laughs> Rage. Um, yeah, yeah. How do you think this compares? Oh, this is well. So I'm not a big Muso guy. Um, I've tried multiple yeah. times. I've honestly tried, and I just can't get into them. It's just endlessly pressing the same buttons over and over again. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't. So this is, for me, miles ahead, miles better. Um, even though the even though Kenshiro should be able to kill hundreds of people, this at least it felt like when you were fighting groups of people, you really had to pay attention and to focus on each individual, you know, fight. Yeah. Whereas uh, Ken's Rage, it's just press, you know, press the kick and he'll kill 20 people in one kick. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I might I <laughs> yeah. might catch you flat-footed with this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. So because the Like a Dragon, the Jakusa team, 
has had their hand at some other properties like right now Hokuto no Ken. Uh, what other do you have any other franchise anime franchise from the eighties and nineties that you would want them to take a stab at? Mm, that is a that is a good question. That is a very good question, and I'm going to keep saying it's a very good question whilst I think, so that I'm filling <laughs> time. Oh, I was actually just thinking about this because I was like, I could see them like I think it'd be really cool for them to like try this with other anime properties. Berserk is the one I think off offhand where like yeah. it's a fucking huge yeah. muscle bound dude who can kill a bunch of people. Berserk would be good, yeah. but I also think something like Ninja Scroll would be awesome. I mean, yeah. that's not something that we've seen a lot of. I don't think there has been any adaptation of Ninja Scroll. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. I, I guess with with a Ninja Scroll because because uh, re. Um, Yakuza and Fist, they're quite they're quite rigid characters, you know, they mm-hmm. have quite rigid movement. I think if you have to get Jubei in there from Ninja Scroll, who should be jumping through trees and doing ninjury stuff, that could be a difficult Yeah, I one. don't know I don't I don't know but, if that could work yeah. out. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean Oh uh what about uh what's this guy's name? Baki the Grappler? How about that? Does he go around beating people up, I guess? It's that's the <laughs> that's a that's a that's, that's yeah. not a because I haven't seen that I haven't seen Give me that. Give me. Give me some contrived gangsters that try to murder my girlfriend or something. <laughs> I can tell you what yeah. wouldn't work. What wouldn't work is One Punch Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, any answer? Uh, no. Oh, well, that was Santa Climax. <laughs> a, sequel, a sequel to Fist of the North Star. No, no, Arnie. Arnie had the best idea, which was I think Berserk. Arnie had the best idea. Yeah, yeah. Berserk, Berserk. Berserk. Yeah, go on then. Which is also another one that Koei Tecmo had their hand in with uh, yep. the the Musou series. They also had yeah. uh, the Band of the Hawk game. Yeah. So I think it's only logical that they also do Berserk. <laughs> uh, but with that said, Jeff, what was your favorite game of 2019 that actually came out in 2019? I know that from all of you, you're probably with Anthony, the one that played the most 2019 games. So give yep. yourself some credit for that. <laughs> so we're going to be able to talk about some of the games that you did play and that did not make the cut. But... Uh, what were some of the games that you were considering in 2019 that didn't actually make the cut? So I've got, I'll be honest with you, 2019, that's a bit of a sigh from me. It's been a tough year. Um, I've got a list of games that I wanted to get to, but didn't really feel the big urge to get them up, like pick them up day of launch. Um, I've really yeah. tried to like go back a bit and spend a little bit less money when I pick up games. So brand new titles, I've kind of tried to keep away from but <laughs> the one game that just missed top spot um is uh, Sekiro okay that's Ooh. that was a incredible game but the reason why it just falls short for me is because it was a challenge and a chore to get through and it stopped being yeah. fun quite I reckon about two-thirds of the way in I was like right it's I'm yeah. gonna do it but I'm just gonna do it reluctantly now yeah, you felt like it was more of a commitment than, you know, an enjoyment that was getting you through it. Exactly. Mm. And that's where, like, Dark Souls always had that balance of, okay, it's tough, but but I still enjoyed it. And I still had that, especially because you had the co-op online where you could bring people in online. And you always felt like there were, you had a chance. Whereas in Sekiro, it's just a matter of attrition and just learning patterns. And that's that's not quite my, my gaming style. What was the most difficult learning point for you in Sekiro? I think, I think I was pretty good at the timing of the of the of of the repels, which is pretty much the whole battle system. It's just I yeah. I found it's doing it for ten minutes straight, fifteen minutes straight. 
in the final boss battle where you've got to be perfect that long and I think that is the the hardest part of, of, of that game where you can get to a point where you can defeat most enemies but you get to a boss and you just got to be on, in the zone for 10 15 minutes I mean I'm 35 I don't I, I don't I, I don't have the attention <laughs> I don't have the, the ability anymore my my fingers have all got uh, you know blisters <laughs> over the years and they're not as responsive yeah. as they used to be and it's also the figuring out too, like the figuring out of how to beat the boss. It's like, oh man, you know, you start, I, I played Sekiro too this year. Like once you get there, you just get wasted. Like the first, I don't know if this happened to you, Jeff, but like every time I fought a boss, the first, the first time there was never any chance, like never yeah. a chance. Like I'm like, I'm not even going to bother trying. Right. And that's a little bit. I don't know, man. It's a little bit shitty to kind of go into a boss fight in a game and know that the first time you have zero chance and you're just kind of like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. well, let me just slowly start identifying the pattern. And it almost kind of feels like a quick time event after a while. Yeah, yeah that's how I, that's how I feel about all the Soulsborne games. It's just, you know that you're going to die and you're just going to have to repeat it on Nostrum. And I, I love them, but I do understand that the stress of it just becomes overwhelming. I can never play a Souls War game for more than two hours at most. And most of the times I just play it for like an hour, hour and a half at most. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it's it's just the external stressor of being on the zone all the time starts wearing you down. And I mm-hmm. could really see how, you know, a 30 hour Soulsborne games just you know, it's it's a trudge to get through. Yeah. Yep. Um so so Sekiro missed the top spot. So who actually took which game actually took the top spot, Jeff? Yep. Here we go. So, top spot for me goes to Capcom and Resident Evil 2 Remake. Oh. oh. Really early in the year. That, that came out in January, so yep. it's hard to remember that it actually came out this year. So, what made you... <laughs> I mean, we kind of expected that you would be into Resident Evil 2. I mean, in 2018, you mentioned that that was one of your most uh, you know, anticipated games of 2019. So, uh, it's yep. good to see that Capcom delivered. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was talking to uh, another friend about it. About look, we've had so many remakes, and uh, I've got. I can. I can even have a look now, and I can see three or four games that have just been re-released on the Switch. And it's like, well, it just seems to be easy money. Um, and it took right Capcom now. what? It's taken them fifteen or seventeen years between remake of one and this one. And everyone was hoping mm-hmm. for a remake of two. Well, way, way, way back during the GameCube era when we first got the remake. Um, so it's been a long time coming. But what I love is just Capcom have taken something, and they've not just re- they just not just rehashed something. They've really mm-hmm. gone back to why was Resident Evil Two so popular? What was it about the gameplay that people loved? What is it about the story that was interesting? And they kept pretty mm-hmm. much beat for beat the game for, for good and for bad from the story wise. They kept the same game, but the reason why I, for me, it's it's superior to that first game, or at least it's superior to other games I played this year. Uh, and it's going to be a bit of a spoiler. It's, it's twelve months old now. I can do a spoiler, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so in in the original game, you had Tyrant chasing you, but you always knew he couldn't get through doors. So if you go into another room, mm-hmm. you're safe. So you kind of go, right, beat for beat, so far this game is pretty much identical. Um, Obviously, it's got nice new lavish graphics and and what have you. (laughs) And the first time you see Tyrant, you've got that inner confidence of like, ah, all right, I'm I'm intimidated. 
but I know I know how, how how to deal with you very nicely. Thank you very much. So I end up running back all the way back to the 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 uh, like the I want to say center court for some bizarre reason, but like back to the the um, grand in, in, entrance hall to the police station, oh, the police yeah, yeah. lobby. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you're there, and I'm and I'm kind of going, okay, I'm safe. I can calm down. And then you can hear the foot the footsteps, and you're like, okay, well that's kind of cool, like background noise. That's fine. And then you hear a door open and you're like, right, okay, that's okay. But I'm sure it's just a sound effect. And then you hear a crash, door opens, you look up and it's like, holy shit, he's here, he's here. Everything I know about this game is out the window. Oh my God, oh my God. And I I panicked, I absolutely panicked. And when I managed to get away from him, my heart was beat, my heart was out of my chest and I... I actually realised this is the first time in, God, it feels like decades that a game has actually made me scared. Yeah, oh, and it's a game that I know, <laughs> and if and I, and then after that point, I was like, okay, this is a new game now. I I've all right, that yeah. confidence is just washed away, and I was like, right. <laughs> Every time I hear those footsteps, I'm like, oh, good God, what what's going to happen next? It and that's for me. It's like, it's a remake, yes, but that small change is a, such a monumental change on the experience. It really made me happy. And I think, God, a game hasn't made me happy like this in a long time as well. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling about it now. It, it was a, such an incredible moment that Sekiro great game, but it never had a moment that made me feel like, wow, I'm so glad I'm playing this. But that moment in yeah. Resident Evil 2, oof, beautiful. Yeah. And let me ask you, you mentioned that there had been a number of years since the Resident Evil 1 remake came out. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have preferred the type of gameplay in Resident Evil 1 remake uh, with the fixed camera angles, etc., um, yep. to what you got, which was Resident Evil 4, uh, but yep. updated to modern times? Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's a, it's a funny one because um, it's a constant conversation I've got with uh, one of my mates back in the UK who basically wanted Resident Evil Remake 2 with the fixed camera. And he's like, I'm not playing it because yeah. it doesn't have the fixed camera. It's like, well, I, I get that. But um, I think there's still enough sus- suspense in there to warrant mm. the fact that it's more Resident Evil 4 than it is Resident Evil. I'm yeah. of the opinion that the fixed camera, as great as it was to create tension, was also a limitation of the mm. hardware, the software at the time, right? Correct. Yeah. So I, I I do think that like yeah, Fitz camera is cool, but Resident Evil Two that like the remake the, with the with the moving camera, it was it was just as suspenseful and it had me just as much on the edge of my seat than any other Resident Evil game has in the past. Yeah, you kind of you kind of had to evolve with the times. You, and, and and like you said, I mean it. I I feel like it would sort of add to that feeling of this is not the same Resident Evil Two that I'm used to playing because now I have to get used to this you know, moving camera that I can control. Like I used to know where all the scares were before. Now I need to figure out where I'm going to be looking at certain times and things like that. If you want to play Resident Evil 2 with the same fixed camera and the same puzzles, play Resident Evil 2. Like just pick up a copy. Like this is, this is a, a, a new experience. So yeah. Yeah, one of the things that struck me, I played the demo, and one of the things that struck me is how some of the zombies kind of have a personality. Um, you know, there's like a cop that's 
on the vending machine. And, um, you know, you kind of see little details here and there that made me appreciate Capcom for really putting in some touches that any yeah. other developer would have just been like, ah, they're just zombies, just throw them yeah. in there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else play Resident Evil 2? I did not, I, and that'll be a running theme for me. Yeah, I played, I played a little <laughs> bit of it, but I, you know, the, the thing, like what Jeff was talking about the game, I what what's crazy is that it's, it's they they we call it a remake, but it really if it just feels like a brand new game. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that that's the best part about it that yep. you could just look at this as a brand new game, not as a remake. And they yeah. really they they really put a lot of care into that game. And like you said, Jeff, yeah. you're playing the game game you've played m- millions of times before, and you're playing this game like this is the first time you're playing this game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, Jeff, are you looking forward to Resident Evil Three, the remake? I am. I am. I mean, I I never quite enjoyed Resident Evil 3 because Nemesis is a complete and utter bastard. And um, (laughs) I never quite really had like the wherewithal to deal with him every time he he or she, you know, I'm I'm all about equal equal tyrants and and Nemesis uh, opportunity, Um, whatever, whatever (laughs) it is. Um, But I, I always panicked, you know, to be honest with you. So I'm looking forward to doing this and going, right, I'm Jill Valentine. I'm fucking Jill Valentine. She's tough. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to giving it a go. But yeah, my last point on it is I think as well, it's another, this game is a big sign for me of Capcom like coming back to their former glory. I think, um, yeah. I think it's a really, I think it's an incredible effort they did here. They didn't just hash something out and slap a sticker on it. You know, they really went all out on this. And I think Capcom for all the, all the woes and all the, all the shit that they've gone through, uh, this is definitely one of their one of their best uh, one of the best periods of their of their time. I think in the new you know the last ten mm-hmm. fifteen years. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. mean, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to in Resident Evil Three because, as we know from a Resident Evil episode, Resident Evil Three was actually not supposed to be a mainland entry, but mm-hmm. because uh, you know they had some delays with some of the games that they were developing, including Resident Evil Four, which was supposed to be Resident Evil Three they decided to make the spin-off into a main entry. So because of that, I think Resident Evil 3 kind of feels a little bit smaller than mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2 because it reuses some of the textures from Resident Evil 2. It kind of does a lot of the same things. And so I think that's why it's not as well received as Resident Evil 2. But what I'm looking forward to in this remake is because, as Anthony said, it's kind of a brand new game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Capcom kind of really adding the necessary content and fleshing out the story of that game, particularly with respect to Jill Valentine, Carlos Oliveira, um, I think that they have a good opportunity to make it a really good title. So I'm looking forward to it, really. And at the very least, I know Nemesis is going to be terrifying. So that's going to be there. So, um, okay, well, that's Resident Evil 2. Uh, Go pick it up if you haven't already, which the four of us haven't. Um, Only Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) But... but we'll play it, and it'll be probably our favorite game that we played in 2020 from 2019, 2019. or something. Yeah. <laughs> you, won't, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. <laughs> yeah. So with that, let's take a break. Uh, Jeff will probably have to go because he has uh, he's six hours ahead of us, and he needs to go and get his drink on. So <laughs> the airlock on that one. Enjoy, guys. So let us say bye to Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for being part of the Thanks, podcast, man. and uh, we're super happy to have you on. So we'll be back, guys. Later, Jeff. See you guys.
All right, everybody, and we're back. And again, if you're just tuning in, which I don't know how you could do that in a podcast, um, we are going over our favorite games of 2019. And uh, let's go to Anthony. Anthony, uh, I see you are a little bit distracted there, but uh, we're going to go over to you. Um, what was your favorite non-2019 game that you played in 2019? There we uh, go. Look at that mug. Oh, man. Um, you know, it's. I think I, I'm trying to think of something that I haven't spoken about already that um, I played, but I really can't think of anything. So I'm just going to re- re-mention these games. Um, definitely <laughs> Assault Suit Lanos. Uh, oh, right on. on the PS4. Uh, that was a, a nice surprise to, to stumble upon. I, I know I mentioned it on a previous episode, and I, I, Paul, we were talking about that, um, how I, I'm a huge fan of Target Earth on a Sega Genesis, and such a such a... What I thought was like such a, a small niche game to, to have a, a remake <laughs> on the PS4, I was kind of like, wow, this is this is so awesome. Um, and then, of course, uh, just going down that VR tunnel, that hole, that rabbit hole of VR, finally yep. playing uh, Super Hot, you know, in, in all its full glory after years of just seeing demos and watching demos and now being able to finally play the game. Um not only was just like it's 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 amazing when you play a game which looks like a basic tech demo, but turns out to be so much more, and it shows you like it's how gameplay can just trump anything in terms of just a video game. Did it yeah. live up to expectations in like the gunplay? Um, oh, for sure. It, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my kids, my kids still make fun of me because when I would get shot, <laughs> I almost felt it. Like I would, I would just yell out in agony, <laughs> and it was the craziest thing because they'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "You didn't feel that? I felt well, heat." It also helps that you've actually been shot, so <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, you know that Briax, uh, you know experience. <laughs> the thing about the thing about Super Hot is Super Hot really stands out to me as one of those games that really tells you like gameplay is king because right. the graphics on it are so rudimentary so yeah. like very you know basic polygon stuff and it works so well for that game and it doesn't impede your like enjoyment of it your feeling of like being a badass when you like really pull something crazy off yeah yeah and it and it's it's almost like it's so good at that that when you go play a game like uh blood and truth it's almost like <laughs> oh this is too much no, this, is, this is too real. This is too realistic and good looking. Now I need something basic. Do you ever feel like the VR was a limitation to Super Hot? Because I know some people have complained that they played it on Oculus, and Oculus has a little bit more. It captures more of your area. Do you ever feel like some of the times you were going out of the play area, etc., and that that was a limitation? Uh, no, nah. nah. I think I think it's you know. I mean, yeah. Oculus has really got it got it down in terms of like your play area and how to uh kind of draw that area out before you start playing a game but i think you know with anything you kind of adjust so like after playing with the psvr for a bit you know where to go you know how far you can you know stray and and whatnot and i never really felt like it was impeding any of my gameplay yeah Yeah, unless you go right from one to the other like if the only super hot experience you know is psvr then you're not going to know any better yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. No. Some podcasts are Nintendo fanboys. Some podcasts are Xbox fanboys. We're pro PSVR I, on this podcast. This is a thing. That was a biggest I will not, surprise. I will not abide any ill words. That was the biggest PSVR. surprise of 2019, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, Anthony, what was your favorite game of 2019? But be- before we go into that, right. what was the one that missed the top spot? Um, man, I'm trying to think. I I literally have. It's funny because I have five games written here, and <laughs> <laughs> three of them have been courtesy of this podcast. <laughs> uh, two of them from Paul. And one of them from you, Ozzy, uh, Blazing Chrome, River oh, City yeah. Girls, and Killer Queen Black. Uh, three games that I've just been playing like crazy the past few weeks. Um, I would say, okay, so I would say I had like a game in mind for my game of the year because as you guys saw, I didn't really buy anything till the end of the year. So <laughs> kind of just hit me in a flux. <laughs> Um, but I was, I was, okay. So, you know, given the time that we have to play, I really didn't feel like playing anything too deep. I wanted to get into something that was just going to be fun. I could get right into it. Um, so I started playing control, um, and, uh, pretty, a pretty amazing game, pretty amazing game, but it just didn't quite check off that box of just the fun factor initially for me. So I'm Mm. on, I actually, for, from where I'm coming from, I'm going to go with Jedi Fallen Order. Ooh, oh right! So on. That's your top game of the year. That's my top game of the year. I'm gonna put control slightly at, at the out at, at the outside looking in, um, but Jedi Fallen Order to me is the game that I had the most fun playing this year. Well, so last year. what 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 did you enjoy the most out of Jedi Fallen Order? Did you enjoy the combat? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. So if it's funny because Control and Jedi Fallen Order, they kind of they're almost the same game in a different universe. You know. Uh, you're being chased down for your powers. You're running around trying to figure out the story. But with, with Jedi Fallen Order, I think the combat was just a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, it's silky smooth, man. It's almost it's so silky smooth that it's almost like too fast for you initially. <laughs> you're just like walking around, running around, and you're just like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, I need to refocus here. Um, but I love, yeah, I love the gameplay. The graphics are amazing. And that's hard to, I don't really get impressed by graphics anymore. You know, I'm so yeah. spoiled and whatnot. But when you <laughs> yeah. see a game that you're kind of like, holy shit, this really looks good. And it's actually, it's actually like gameplay, you know, yeah. the the cutscenes are the gameplay game, the footage, you know, it's like, there's no, there's no difference, which was a difference in control. There was a big difference between a cutscene and the gameplay. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. How, how do you feel with the fact that the gameplay and the combat was more of the methodical kind of Soulsborne flavor rather than just a hack and slash as we tend to see with Star Wars. Um, well, you know, the, it's funny because I started playing Fallen Order and I definitely, I, I seem to gravitate toward games like this, but it's it definitely has a more of a uh, uh, Arkham Knight kind of battle. Okay. Right? It's kind of it's got that feel. Um, which is cool in the sense because when you when you're talking about iconic characters or like a, like a Jedi or a Batman or something like that, it's cool to feel like a badass while you're fighting people. Yes. Without yes. it being overcomplicated. And that's the first time I played that I could remember playing a Star Wars game and just taking out that lightsaber and doing that combat that just felt like wow, I just I am a Jedi. Like I just killed all, I just messed these guys <laughs> up bad. Yeah. I, I think one of the difficult parts of playing as a Jedi and with a lightsaber is that a lightsaber is just an awesome destructive force that it almost feels 
unrealistic, quote-unquote, if anything can be realistic <laughs> in Star Wars, to have a lightsaber that just doesn't cut through everybody and splits them in half. I mean, that's, I think, one of the more problematic aspects for gameplay in a Star Wars game. So did you feel like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order handled that well? No, no, it did. It did. I think it did because it, it, they. I guess. I guess you know you could. You got. You got these stormtroopers coming at you, and they've got their own sort of lightsaber kind of combat. You've got the uh, the main villain in the story. They're coming at you, and they're just as badass as you, even more so. And it. it like I said, yeah, it, it balanced the the badassness of being a Jedi, but at the same <laughs> time, like you know, you got these stormtroopers shooting at you and being able to deflect those shots back at them. Yeah. Was, like one of the coolest things yeah it's 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 like dominating but still like i don't care i'm a jedi i'm trying to get to the next level <laughs> i think Whatever. this is a yeah. thing that's that's missing from sekiro for example not to bring it back to sekiro again but like in sekiro they're always talking about how the main character is like this story shinobi and he's such a badass in yeah. the game he gets killed way too much to be such a badass you know what i'm saying mm. Yeah. Yeah, by low-level enemies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that was the thing with Dark Souls, right? Because in Dark Souls, you're like, you're kind of like a loser. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you start yeah. off, you're not like the greatest guy who ever, you know, graded anything. You're just like a, a nobody. Yeah. And that makes sense. I'm like, that's, you sort of build yourself up. And by the end of it, you feel like, oh, crap. Like, I've come such a long way from where I was. Whereas if you start the game as being number one badass and all you're doing is getting your butt kicked every every two seconds. And you're like, well, I guess I haven't really gone very far, huh? Yeah. yeah. And that's something yeah. that developers have gotten a lot better at, you know, yeah. kind of bridging that what you know, uh, writers have called Ludo narrative dissonance, where the narrative tells you that you're supposed to be this guy, but the gameplay reflects something else entirely. Yeah. And I think what you're referring to, Paul, I'm just going to call it the Superman problem, because, you know, Superman is supposed to be invincible, but how do you make mm. someone that's invincible fun to play? Yeah. And I think that's what you're having here. And I, I do hope that developers continue to improve with respect to that, at least with respect to Sekiro. I haven't played it. I really want to play it. But I really hope that From Software kind of moves away a little bit from that kind of hardcore Saucebourne uh, flavor because, you know, I feel like Sekiro fits the mold more into a Tenshu type of game where, yes, Tenshu is hard, but you don't feel like you constantly have to, you know, kind of fight with the game in order to be good. Mm -hmm. um, and... It just kind of lends itself to a sort of different gameplay style. And if you're supposed to be the story shinobi, you know, part of it is just feeling like a badass. And as you mentioned, Paul, I don't think that's necessarily what you get out of playing Sekiro. No, not not quite. No, especially when especially when you're fighting a boss and the boss visually isn't terribly impressive. Like if you're fighting a boss and he's gigantic and OK, yeah, that's one thing, right? Like there are monsters and so on in the game. But when you're fighting a boss and it's just like a dude <laughs> and he's ruining you, it's like, ah, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, and so, Anthony, did you, you know, did you feel that Jedi Fallen Order fit well within the storyline of Star Wars? Do you, do you like the story? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing too. Like, so I, I just love Star Wars in general. Like, I'm not saying everything's <laughs> great in Star Wars, but it's just fun. I, I grew yeah. up on it. And um, I love how this game ties right in to canon because um, it, it, it literally takes place 
about five years after episode three and about 15 years before episode four. And okay. the storyline is just so cool because so, you know, basically, like, I don't know if you guys, you know, I don't know if you know it, but like the Jedi have been basically eradicated and, and the ones mm-hmm. that are still around are in hiding. The main yeah. character at this point, he's the he's one of those and he's being chased down by inquisitors who are who have been trained by Darth Vader. So it's when you know just just getting tying into that story to me just felt like wow this like i'm i'm in this movie right now this is yeah. a movie you know sometimes it's very rare that i play a video game that i, I was like damn i wish this was a movie that i could yeah. go watch but <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, i like so, that you start off as a jedi like i like that it's not like right. you are you're just Agree. so good at everything that right, you right. definitely need to be a jedi yeah you yeah. start off and you already have you, you already know how to use the force you have a lightsaber on you so yeah, yeah. You, you you acquire you know like, of course you acquire skills as you go along because i guess yeah well the the way they they incorporate <laughs> that into it, which is kind of cool is that he hasn't been training for five years so he, slowly but surely he's having flashbacks of his master teaching him how to do certain moves okay. ah, and that's cool. how he starts using those moves in the game yeah yeah so that's how they can implement the metroidvania elements right and right make and him into a sort of samus right exactly yep yeah so i guess the question is uh anthony would you want to see a sequel to this uh kind of following the same storyline um it's hard to say. I, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the selfish part of me says yes, but then <laughs> the reality is like we've we've been down this road before, guys. We've got a great game. <laughs> we asked for a sequel, and then little by little, <laughs> it just starts having holes in the whole gameplay and whatnot. You know, so yeah, I'm kind yeah. of undecided at this point. But yeah, right now as I'm playing, before I even finish this game, I'm like, man, I would love to see a sequel, but at the same time. <laughs> Eh, kind of yeah. weary of this. <laughs> yeah, personally, hey man, I'm now, kind of... Sorry, since we're on the yeah. topic, Anthony, Rise of Skywalker, thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, thumbs up, man. Thumbs uh, up. Yeah, eh? I wish I had more thumbs. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's proving very divisive, and nice. yeah. kind of, that's kind of what I was going to touch upon. I'm kind of over Star Wars a little bit, um, same way that I'm over the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, um, yeah. to your point, yeah, to your point, that's how I feel about Fallen Order, right? Like, even like Rise of Skywalker. Um, great movie, great game, but I don't really need another one right now. You know, yeah. like I'm yeah, I think right the now. only the only thing I need is more Mandalorian. I I have all the time in the world. I was for about Mandalorian. to say that. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I, I think that that's probably the best Star Wars has ever been in 40 years. That's definitely really. the yeah. Off of the main uh, the main line. That's probably like one of the best things they've done. It's so cool. And they can go in yeah. so many directions with it. Yeah, yeah, there's I'm, there's just a thing. And I think this has been going on for years, specifically with Star Wars, is that people especially people that i've talked to and me personally it's like we don't need any more jedi we have our jedi movies like you have so many other things that you can like look into and like explore and like if i never see another lightsaber again perfectly fine (laughs) with that like yeah we're good yeah i mean give me me my jango fett movie please yeah and and to be to be perfectly (laughs) honest i mean i think that any time that you have kind of an adaptation of lone wolf and cub in the star wars world i am all over that i mean the fact that 
you have uh, a Mandalorian with a baby Yoda, essentially. Spoilers. That, you know, in a Western kind of setting, I absolutely am head over heels with something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But I, I mean, but I, I, and I guess one more question for all oh, yeah. of us: um, Are we looking forward to the Obi Wan Kenobi uh, series? Oh hell yeah! I yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that's I think that's a vein that can be mined successfully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's probably like in short order to probably be like maybe six, seven episodes a season yeah. if they do yeah. even more than one season. So you're not like being just overwhelmed with too much Star Wars at that point or Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know? Yeah, I already am, but, you know, I'll look into it and see how it plays nah. out. But, um, you know, uh, just, you, you guys mentioned about Rise of Skywalker, though, Paul. The, uh, yeah, it's funny because people are so divisive about it, but it's just like just just let go and just go watch a movie have fun damn what <laughs> that's kind of people? that's kind of how i felt about it like i left the movie theater and i was like uh-huh. that was all right like I, I don't think i was as high on it as you were but like uh-huh. i i went into it with a certain expectation which is that it was going to be the end of a trilogy it's going to be a star wars movie mm-hmm. the end of a trilogy is going to be you know it's just going to be more action-packed that's just kind of how it is because everything's resolving yeah, yeah. there's less build-up and uh and that's pretty much exactly what i got so i left the movie theater i was yeah. you know satisfied i didn't like it as much as last jedi but a lot of people seem to really dislike last jedi i'm almost yeah, afraid it's, even it's, even it's giving that place. opinion but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but anyhow I thought, yeah I thought, it was good it was fun yeah, people just, it's a it's a yeah, movie theater it movie fun. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually went in going to see skywalker as i was gonna be let down I was prepared yeah. to be let down, so when I saw the movie, I was like, "Oh, this is so cool! So so many cool callbacks, little yeah. Easter eggs." You know, it's fun when you catch an Easter egg like in real time. I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah. smart! Yeah. This is awesome. But again, my my favorite movie of this Star Wars cycle was Rogue One. Yes, and I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm like, not a, like aside from Darth Vader showing up at the end, like not a lightsaber in sight. Still a great movie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the, yeah. just the right amount of lightsaber. We need a movie about all the contractors on the Death Star a la Schindler's List, essentially. (laughs) Uh, With that said, with a very timely reference, um, let's uh, take a break and we're going to come back with more games of 2019 and not of 2019. everybody we're back and we are uh, going to go to our favorite procrastinator and giving us an answer um arnaldo arnie as we call him uh hopefully he takes less time to give us an answer now uh arnie what is your favorite game of 2019 that didn't come out in 2019 well, I think the first thing we need to do is ask ourselves, what is a game? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my God. That's the most arty answer that was ever arty. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, so I came in here uh, with a non-2019 game. I was like, all right, so how obvious am I going to be? Am I going to be Persona Q2 obvious or am I going to be Yakuza Kiwami 2 obvious? I'm like... They're both about the same amount of obvious for me. Uh, But then I remembered out of nowhere that I did play a non-2019 game in 2019 that I enjoyed 
very, very much. It was actually uh, lent to me by a listener of the show. Uh, so shout out Mr. Game and Brews. Uh, Paper Mario. Mm. The original Paper Mario. I mean, oh. Thousand Year Door, I'm sorry. Yeah, Thousand yeah. Year Door uh, on the GameCube. I had been wanting to play that game for years, probably five, ten years, however long it's been since that game came out. Um, and it really, it was one of those where I'd hyped it up in my mind and I was expecting to sort of be lukewarm about it at that point. And I, it, it still blew me away. Like I was still like, this is great. Uh, probably one of my favorite, I mean, it's gotta be up there on my favorite RPGs list at this point. Um, but it was just such an enjoyable experience. Like there's nothing about it that's necessarily new or like challenging, but what is there, like the characters, the story, the ambience, like the mechanics, the battling, everything just works together so well to create an experience that like I can't really compare to anything off the top of my head. Is this a game that you would want Nintendo to kind of repackage the same they did with uh, the Mario and Luigi series and kind of sell it? Do you think it would actually sell if it was repackaged like that? Yeah, I think if they if they launch this on Switch, a la I don't know Link's Awakening or something like that, I think this would do gangbusters. I think people would would really enjoy it, and I think a lot of people who maybe didn't get into some of the RPG games back in the day because the Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario series have always been pretty distinct, um, and I think Mario and Luigi sort of had longer legs because maybe it came out a little bit later. And so they 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 kept going for a while and they sort of caught fire. Um, Paper Mario was always a lot more experimental. And I think that was to its detriment after, after a certain amount of time. Interesting. Uh, well, yeah. one, of, one of, I mean, it's one of the things that I will continue to lament. I, yeah. I have the very unpopular opinion that Shihiro Miyamoto has done a lot of damage to Nintendo and it's... Uh, games um, mm-hmm. over the last 20 years and one of the more detrimental things perhaps the most detrimental thing that happened to Paper Mario is his mandate that they could only use kind of like the same five characters for every single game and that's how you ended yeah. up with all the NPC characters being like toads and that's uh. something that Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Doors, it didn't have. It had mm-hmm. a lot of variety, it had a lot of different characters with different personalities and a lot of humor. It's a yeah. lot more difficult to carry humor with the same kind of character, you know, kind of projecting that humor. Even though the writers may be great, you still have the same character voicing this. So it's a lot more difficult to differentiate uh, the voices, the particular individual voices. So, um, did you play the later games, and how do you compare that to the Thousand played, Year Doors? So I played the first three. So I played Paper Mario, I played Thousand Year Door, and then I played Super Paper Mario. And that's what I mean when I say like Paper Mario always seemed a little bit more experimental to me because all the I've played at least three or four of the Mario and Luigi games, and they are different. They have like different mechanics, but the skeleton, like the structure, is to me very similar. Like, even with the battling, a lot of the story, like the beats, it seems like similar in that sense. But from Thousand Year Door to Super Paper Mario, it's almost completely different. I mean, like, the graphical stylings have changed, the mechanics have changed, um, the writing has changed. Like, a lot of it is just like these two games don't necessarily flow into each other seamlessly. Um, and that's not to say that Super Paper Mario is bad, because I really enjoyed Super Paper Mario as well. Now, after that, I've heard that it gets 
a little tricky because I think Sticker Star comes after that, and I've heard not great things about that. Yeah, and then Color Splash is the other one, and I've heard mixed things about Color Splash. Yeah, Sticker Star is the one that got the the worst reception out of all. I mean, it's still a yeah. Mario game, and it still got the Nintendo bump. Yeah. But I think the general understanding is that that was definitely a five out of ten game yeah. um, that definitely failed to live up to the potential of its predecessors. Yeah, um, did you feel like the story was sufficiently epic for Thousand Year Door? Yeah, yeah, I I thought so. I mean, and I think. Part of it is just that right. The humor in the writing is I don't know what it was about it, but it just caught me. Like I was like the the way that you interact with your party members, the way that they play into some of Mario's tropes, like the fact that he doesn't really talk, he just like does sort of like crazy body motions to express his emotions and things like that. Like they make little jokes here and there about stuff like that. It's always really entertaining. Like the way they can sort of pick at small things um, that you as a fan are like, Oh yeah, I I do. I have noticed that before. Like, I hate that. Like that callback really (laughs) makes you feel like, like the writers are in on the joke basically. It's very fourth wall breaking. I think that's a lot of the humor comes from breaking the fourth wall in those games. Um, so nice man I mean Thousand Year Door uh, it's on the GameCube uh, still hasn't been re-released hopefully we get yep. a re-release in the future so Nintendo if you're listening to this kind of niche podcast uh, make sure to make it happen um, so Miyamoto-san I know you listen yeah and I hope you're listening you fucking asshole <laughs> Jesus well, well that's it for him <laughs> gonna have to cancel our Doug Bowser interview uh, yeah um, alright so Artie what was the game that almost made the cut in your favorite game of 2019 but I mean uh, it ultimately couldn't quite get there listen as pointed out by Paul I've played I've, I've now learned I've played two games that technically came out in 2019 <laughs> and so and so the one that so you basically have two cut. games that you can talk about correct um, and so the one that didn't make the cut was Truber Brook uh, I talked about Truber Brook in a recent episode um with Paul um and Anthony I believe uh and Trooper Book is basically like this PS4 point and click adventure game uh again much like Mario Thousand Year Door I'm starting to find that like as I get older writing in video games is becoming more and more important to me like having in not just the story but having like interesting NPC dialogue like having something that's engaging that sort of gives the character a little bit of life in like I understand by the time I'm done playing a game, like I kind of understand this character's personality, like things that they say, little quips that they make, like little extra things that you can find if you search around, like that stuff is becoming a lot more meaningful to me in terms of how I view games and how I appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Truber book just missed the cut. I would highly recommend it. I think it's like, I want to say if you find it at GameStop, it's like 15 bucks, 12 bucks. Like, it's not very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so which you know, one made the cut? The one that made the cut. Okay. So technically, <laughs> the early access of this game is released in November of 2018. <laughs> but the full game was not released until 2019. Uh, so Beat Saber. Beat Saber is oh. my game of the year. Um, yeah. I've only had it for less than a month and i already love it more than almost anything i've played this year it's so good um, i've already made it because this was paul's game of the year last year yeah so yeah this was my game of the year last year ps4 last year then it was an early release arnie so I, it was it was it was early release november 2018 
and it's full retail release in May of 2019. I promise you. I don't believe I that, but I, I techni- <laughs> I'll have to go I, back to I, it. I gave myself this technicality. <laughs> we may have to disqualify Arnie afterwards. Uh, so we'll figure it out after the episode. I, uh, I stand my ground. This is definitely a game I'm, I'm picking up this year. I have to pick this game up this year. I've already bought two music packs for it. Uh, it's made me very happy. I'm still terrible at it. Artie has Not all the early is. 2000s punk that you can get, basically. I know. The, the two Saber. packs that I bought are the Green Day pack and the Panic at the Disco pack. So. Yeah, yeah, Next yeah. is Blink-182 pack. <laughs> I hope so. And with that, Artie has his whole youth in a pack. Oh, Lord. And it's it's it really is. Like, I've had people play it, and it's one of those where it's just as entertaining. Like, Paul, I think, has talked about this. Like, it's just as entertaining to watch somebody play it as it is to play it yourself. Oh, yeah, because um, there's so much movement, right? It's just funny watching yeah. people contort themselves <laughs> and, like, you know, giggle and gasp when they, you know, nearly miss and so on and so forth. It's great. Yeah. So and, I guess... Go ahead. Go ahead, Art. No, no, I was just going to say the other thing, too, is, like, when you... Much like what Anthony was saying about Fallen Orders, like, when you get into a groove in this game and you start nailing things, you feel like a badass. Yeah. Like, yes. you're like, I am rhythm master right now <laughs> so Artie, are you still you know i know that you got vr back in uh, yeah. black friday are you still high on it uh after this month i know a lot of people get vr they kind of play around with it and then mm-hmm. they kind of put it away so are you still it, high on it yeah i've been using it consistently for a bunch of stuff that there's been hits and there's been misses um with different vr games like i think you'd get with anything uh but overall i'm still super impressed with it and i think the my favorite part of it really is like the playability with other people like i've had people over and it's very even people who don't play games it's very easy to tell them like put the stupid thing on your head and like let me watch you flail around for like 15 minutes and it's always entertaining people always love watching it they feel engaged with it um and i think like PS PlayStation has now done a great job of putting out a library of games that are fun enough to play and have enough variety that you're not just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, And now they're starting to become very affordable. Like they're going on sale. They're, you know, they're really trying to push this into, you know, the next year. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still kind of high on it as well. It's just sometimes, you know, just the act of putting yourself, you know, in that zone and kind of covering all your senses. It's yeah. kind of hard, for example, when you have dogs, you know, and you're worried <laughs> that your dogs are going to tear shit up or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just kind of takes a kind of sensory deprivation that sometimes you can't necessarily afford. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you're just playing your typical 2D games, you know, you can just put the controller down and you're good. So yeah. I think that's something that definitely impacts your decision making in whether to play VR or not. But I'm glad that you're still playing it. Um, I think, you know, being in an apartment by yourself really helps a lot in, in, in doing that uh, and not looking ridiculous in front of other people. Um, so uh, that's good to hear. I mean, Beat Saber, you know, I think we talked about our, you know, on our last game of the year episode. and We did. Um, I think we're and very Paul was right. He was yeah. right then and as he's right now. So, you know, at least two of the hosts concur Beat Saber is recommended. Um, Highly. So definitely pick it up. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, That's Arnie. Um, Anything else you want to say, Arnie, before we take a break? Uh, No. I think I'll try better in 2020. I will say my one regret (laughs) of 2019 was I felt like I felt like I, I this was the year 
and it might I don't know this might sound weird but this was the year where I really felt like not having a switch meant I was missing out a lot you don't say yes you <laughs> like did. three houses came out Pokemon came out Link's Awakening came out those were games that I was like damn yeah, I do, I do yeah. actually want to play those. But you chose a VR over a Switch, so should, you have yeah. only yourself to blame. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonder you're still here. Who knows? <laughs> if I had chosen the Switch, maybe Mario Odyssey would have been my game of the year. <laughs> All right, guys. And with that uh, put down of Arnie, as he deserves, um, let's go <laughs> take a break. <laughs> Sorry, Arnie. <laughs> Alright everybody, and we're back, and we're gonna go and make our way over to Canada, and Paul, tell us, we really want to hear, what was your favorite non-2019 game that you played in 2019? You know, it's, I haven't played that many non-2019 games this year, um, I would Must say... Must be nice. <laughs> I, I've only got like, a couple here, and so, I've already talked about Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I think twice now on the pod, so I'm not going to yeah. spend too much time on it. But I started playing it in January. I finished it, I think, early in December. It just kind of lasted the whole year. It's, you know, like an 80-hour JRPG. And it was always just kind of a pleasure to play it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you sit down, it's very easy, it's very bubbly. The story is, like, not great. You know, it's very silly. <laughs> um, and that was just a very easy experience. Um, another shout out here to like it's so weird now with with Steam and all the early release stuff because like do I mention a game that was released you know two years ago early release or yeah I don't know yeah. right um, so what I will say is that this could be a 2019 game it could be a 2017 game I'm not sure but I got it in December and I mentioned this briefly in chat I got it in December for like three bucks on steam it's a game called mindustry and okay yeah oh, it's <laughs> i i was completely fucking obsessed with this game for about a week <laughs> where it's it's a mashup of herzog's way yes. and factorio i don't know if you guys have heard of factorio no nope. i think you talked about it before didn't you well, you should explain so. it for everyone that hasn't heard of it. Yeah, exactly. So Factorio is basically like another, it's another take on like the, um, like the transport tycoon kind of games where you're building a shipping network, except mm. that Factorio is much more focused in the efficiency. So when you're setting up your, your factory with the conveyor belts and so on and so forth, it's all about finding the most, most efficient way to move shit around, right? And so yeah. what Mindustry does is it takes Factorio, kind of lightens it quite a bit, because Factorio is very detailed, mm. and also includes a tower defense kind of portion to it. So you have your little ship that flies around, like in Herzog's way, and it builds towers, and it builds like mining drills and stuff like that. And so you mine all this stuff, you build conveyor belts, you bring it back to your base, and you have to make sure that you do all this stuff efficiently enough so that you're able to 
build mm. enough defenses to stop the aliens. It's gotcha. It's just a weird mashup, and for me, it, it totally <laughs> worked. I was like, like I said, for like a week, you know, I'd get home from work, and uh, you know, I'd do like the requisite conversation with my wife, and and she could like. <laughs> And she could like see me itching, right? She's like, you're going to go mining, aren't you? And I'm like, look, you don't understand. Like, I just researched the laser drill. I can now mine thorium. And with thorium, I can build like this other turret. And like, and she's like, yeah, whatever. Just go. (laughs) Go, go do your mining. (laughs) Paul, how many, how many eye rolls do you get per day from your wife? Holy shit, man. Like, I don't know, <laughs> 7.5, I think. <laughs> now that, you know, you have this game on Steam that you discovered, do you think this is a game that could work out on the Switch or PS4? You know what, man? Probably not. Probably not. Like any kind of real-time, any kind of real-time strategy game is going to struggle on a platform that doesn't use yeah. mouse and keyboard. So, could it work? I mean, they can try, uh, you know, if they can figure something out. But like, I think it'd be very, I think it'd be very difficult personally. I mean, if somebody found a way to do it, great. But this game, it's still like, it was released a couple of years ago, I think, or it was, um, it was first made a couple of years ago. And I think we're now on version four of it. Um, and it's still technically early release. So, you know, I don't know when this guy it's made by like one dude and i don't know when he's going to finish it up you know officially you know quote yeah. unquote and perhaps release it on other platforms but no i don't i don't think it would work all that well on i mean they they made Baldur's Gate and uh Planescape Torment work on the switch so i still hold out hope i mean one of the things that i kind of think about is the fact that we no longer have like mouse peripherals for our, our consoles um, yeah. back yeah. in the day on the PlayStation 1 i mean in those days, you needed a cord, and even then, we were able to have a mouse. Now, you don't even need a cord. So, I do wonder, you know, if that's something that's going to make a comeback on the next generation, whether we're going to see more mouse and keyboard games, you know, and just kind of understanding that, look, everybody has access to this. It's a peripheral like any other. Um, basically, our consoles are like, you know, light PCs. Yeah. So, yeah. why not? So Yeah, we'll um, see. Okay, Paul, so which game did not make the cut for your top game of 2019, um, but, you know, you felt very good about still? Okay, before I get to that, I know that you guys make fun of me because of Etrian Odyssey. <laughs> yes. And it so is your because game of, the of year that, in your heart. it is 100% in my heart, the game of the year, but I Absolutely. can't. Like, I understand that for our purposes, I can't give a Nintendo 3DS game the 2019 game of the year. I mean, listen, Paul, I think that everybody here respects your life decisions, and we're glad that you've compromised your own beliefs to make this show a little better. Thank you. Thank you. It's It, it really is for our listeners more than for you and greats that I'm picking something else. Um, but yeah, it's it, it would have been Etrian Odyssey. That game made me, it just made me very, very happy this year. Etrian Odyssey yeah. Nexus, to be specific. The, uh, the one that missed the cut, you know, Sekiro missed the cut because of the aforementioned reasons. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Like, such a pleasure to mm-hmm. look at. And some of the set pieces are just awesome. Like, awesome. 
and but nonetheless like it after a while it's just kind of like not that much fun bit grindy the and so for me it was a toss-up between like killer queen black and slay the spire on the switch i will say for as much as psvr was the the thing for you guys this year for me it was the switch like the switch was just almost all i gamed on at all uh this year my ps4 really really kind of collected a lot of dust so yeah it was between and again like last year like it's it's mostly kind of the indie games and the new gaming experiences that are just kind of grabbing me more than anything else right yeah and uh and killer queen black and slay the spire are for me entirely new gaming experiences so I would, you know, if I had to pick one as game of the year, probably Slay the Spire and Killer Queen Black. Like, I suspect that because we recently, you and me and Anthony uh, there, Arnie, we recently recorded an episode where we just kind of talked about what we were playing lately. But I think we're going to release this one first because, you know, 2019 and and so on and so forth. So uh, we'll say Killer Queen Black doesn't quite make the cut. And I already talked about it quite a bit on that last episode, so I won't rehash it here you know yeah. what i will say is that i've got guys coming over tonight we're gonna play it and <laughs> it's gonna be the highlight of my day like man oh man there's nothing like that game with a bunch <laughs> of people in the same room it's so good um, it's funny because <laughs> when i try to explain that game to somebody i mess it up so bad oh like, yeah i try to explain the rules of what to do i'm like this is bad i don't even know what to tell you just watch <laughs> <laughs> so what made slay the spire what made slay the spire get the nod what made slay the spire get the nod was that it's just so new right like as soon yeah. as i saw it as soon as i saw what kind of game it was i was i knew i was going to be in trouble like i knew that this was going to be a game that was basically like made for me and I knew that it was going to grab me and, and I, I was pretty sure it was going to grab me and not let go. So basically what it is, I don't know if you guys have any of you guys ever played the board game Dominion. Yes, I've heard okay. about it. Yeah. So basically what Slay the Spire is, is it's a deck building game, right? So you start off with a deck of 10 cards and then you progress through a tower, the spire, and you go floor by floor and you defeat enemies using your deck of cards to make attacks and to defend against their attacks. Every time you defeat an enemy, you select from three random cards. You can select Mm. one or none, right? Because they might give you an assortment of cards that doesn't necessarily fit what you want to do with the deck. So as you progress through, your deck gets stronger, the enemies get more difficult. You also find like items that help you out and and so on and so forth. And there at you know there's three bosses, so you finish part 1, part 2, part 3, and there's like a super secret boss that's really hard at the end. And mm-hmm. I found that I just you know what, much like with Beat Saber last year, I just haven't played a game like Slay the Spire before. You know, I've played Dominion but this is a way different beast than Dominion. Like using Dominion as a reference is a good way to kind of like, you know, shortcut your way into explaining what it's like. But the fact is, as a video game, I haven't played anything like it. And it is wildly, wildly addictive, like almost shamelessly so, you know, honestly, because there's so much there's so much randomness in it. 
And so it's like when I mentioned on our Pokemon episode, like with the kids opening the Pokemon card packs and they turn into little meth addicts. Like that's yeah. that's me playing Slay the Spire every time I defeat an enemy or go up a floor, right? Because it's like, it's always random. It's like, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? And then you start feeling the itch and it's all I can think about all day. And oh man, it was, it was brutal. I eventually kind of learned to hate it because yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about it. But I mean, it is, if that sounds at all appealing to you, they really nailed it. It's made by Megacrit Games and this is their first effort. I think uh, basically like the main guy behind the studio, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but you know, he was like, yeah, I kind of wanted to make a video game version of Dominion and Hey man, like he, he nailed it. They nailed it the first time. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we're getting something different, you know, for the game of the year. I don't think Slay the Spire has necessarily been on everyone's radar. I, yeah. I certainly haven't seen it in a lot of game of the year lists. Um, so I'm glad that Paul, you're picking again, one more year that you pick indie over AAA. Um, I think this is becoming a trend now, Paul, <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm glad I you're mean, saying it. Let me- it's, it's just, it's new, right? Like I'm always, no matter what happens, like I'll always play my shoot 'em ups and I'll always play my JRPGs and, you know, I'll always go back to Etrian Odyssey, but the fact is, at this point in my life with the games that I play, I I can't help gravitate towards the new experiences. If someone does something new that is really, that is well executed and different, that's probably going to be the one that I pick. Yeah. So one more question before we uh, take a break. Uh, do you feel like this is a game that you would have enjoyed as much if it was if you were playing it on the PS4 rather than the Switch? Of course not. No. The fact that it was on the... <laughs> Sorry, Arnie. Um, <laughs> the fact that it's on the Switch <laughs> meant that I was able to take it to work and play it on my breaks, right? Whereas if it was on PS4, I could only ever play it at home tethered to the TV. And it's not like... It's yeah. not a graphically impressive game. It doesn't have to be enjoyed on a big screen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, something like Sekiro really helps playing on the big screen because like for example in Sekiro there's one there's one set piece one section where there's this giant serpent like coiling its way through the mountains and you kind of have to stealth your way around it and when it attacks you like it is it's just a huge snake head coming at the character and it's awesome it's huge and the mountains are snowy and beautiful and if you have it on a large screen then you know, it's just that much more impressive. Slay the Spire yeah. is not impressive at all on a large screen. It's just Slay the Spire <laughs> on a large screen. That's that's the only difference. So, yeah, yeah. it really helps to have that game on the Switch uh, instead yeah. of the PS4. It just does. The question now is if Etrian Odyssey makes the jump over to the Switch. I would be incredibly happy. I, I really would. It, it can. I mean, like, it's a matter of time, it, really. What's that? <laughs> it's a matter of time, really. I mean, at some point, the 3DS is going to die, and um, we're going to have, you know, Etrian Odyssey on the Switch. I think that that's kind of inevitable at this point. I don't know, man. I, like, it's it's popular among its fans, but it's never been, like, you know, a gigantic cash cow, so... I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they if they went on and and moved on if that studio went on and moved on to a different game or a different style of game or 
or something or other. Yeah. You know, I've there's eight Etrian Odyssey games available. I can go back and play, you know, whichever one I want. I haven't even played them all, so yeah. I, it's fine. You know, if they release another yeah. one, great. I'll be ecstatic because yeah. that formula, yeah. it just works. I never get tired of it. <laughs> but if they don't, that's cool too. Yeah. Well, I'm just happy that we're seeing a lot of kind of board game influences in video games. I think that, you know, it's going to allow developers to create experiences that we haven't traditionally seen. And I think that most of those improvements and innovations will come from the indie scene. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think thinking about the decade of the 20s, the 2020s, I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited for. I'm not necessarily as excited about graphical improvements. I'm excited about what kind of new gameplay experiences the 2020s are going to bring to the yes. table uh, because I think that's something that the 2010s have really done a great job at. I don't think that we're going to remember the 2010s necessarily for the graphical leaps. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to remember it more because it was the decade that indie really blew up and it was able to stand toe to toe with the AAA experiences and you know bringing new experiences to the table, which I think it's critical for a medium to survive. Yeah. Yep. We're in yep. the roaring 20s now, my friend. Roaring 20s. <laughs> <laughs> and you just and you can't really rely on AAA anymore to give you a new experience. What you can rely on them yeah. for is to, you know, refine and polish and microtransaction the shit out of existing experiences, but they're very rarely going to bring you something entirely new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, with that cynical um, perspective, <laughs> I think we all share. Uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to close it out with my picks. Um, you know, not saving the best for last. Um, but, you know, at least you get to hear them, even if they're not great. So, we'll be back. everybody and uh this is it we're back and uh as i said i'm gonna disappoint you but (laughs) i have now committed to this (laughs) that's the tagline for the entire show really um okay so i was thinking a little bit uh you know one of the things that i realized in trying to come up with this list is that i I actually did play a lot of games uh this Mm -hmm. year it's just i was a very promiscuous gamer i i Picked up games, dropped them. Um, they didn't quite <laughs> stick with me. They didn't quite stick the landing. Um, for the non-2019 games, I actually, you know, even this year, you know, even this late, I was trying to find something that really grabbed me. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I tried to play, you know, a game last night, see if that one was going to grab me, and it didn't. And so I decided to just go with, you know, the comfort zone pick. Um Hold on, guys. Uh, my dog is fucking being annoying. <laughs> this is content. <laughs> yeah, the dog really barking. Is. That's you uh, really have to leave this that's good really pod. Is. I'm telling you, this is the uncut Patreon episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was thinking about what kind of game really stood out to me, and so I decided to go with my comfort zone picks, and um, I think the game from 
you know, another year that's now 2019 that really just stood out to me and we talked about it a lot. And I actually thought Arnie was going to mention it as his favorite non-2019 game, and that's Astrobot. I absolutely love Astrobot. Every time I get sucked into that world and I feel like I'm physically there um, and I get to control the little robot around and and trying to save his friends and, you know, I actually (laughs) get to feel the world and I actually get that sense of perspective, you know, it just makes... A huge difference and I, I really think that that game makes the very best case for VR uh, if you have a yeah. VR non-believer I think you just have to pop in Astrobot it's not a game that unless your paw will give you motion sickness um, <laughs> which is good because that's kind of the biggest you know problem for VR and kind of selling VR yeah. and it really kind of sells the tactile experience that VR kind of really brings to the table you know the fact that you know this is not like the 3D fad where you know it kind of looked cool it kind of gave us some mm-hmm. perspective but you were like okay i it's cool but i don't need this um yeah. yeah you know whereas with with this you know it really opens up a whole new world of gameplay um even for a genre that's as old as the platformer you know it really presents you with uh, an experience that feels fresh again and you know it really helps that you know something like astrobot has a lot of character you know it's a it's a game that it's very charming you know i really do feel like it really you know kind of speaks to players of all ages it's a game Mm -hmm. that is you know as cliche as it is is fun for the whole family Um, and if you're watching this i mean i think the fact that sony had the second screen you know and that actually has the the stream you know on the tv i think it's genius yeah um you know you need the extra processor but it's worth it i think because everyone can kind of see what you're doing and Mm -hmm. you know i mean i i think that there are very few experiences where you're actually forced to really take into account the whole 360 environment Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that you know you're always kind of looking around the corner you're always looking behind you see if you missed anything and when you discover something that you know, it's kind of a little bit out of the way, but you just decided to like crane your neck a little bit <laughs> and you realize, oh, wow, there's something there. You know, and you're like, okay, how can I get there? How can I position myself in a way that I can actually see my little robot, you know, and have him kind of navigate all the way there? It just, it just feels very fulfilling in a way. Yeah. And yeah. I think with Astrobot, what it does very well is that it's lenient enough that you don't feel punished when you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think that's necessary in a VR game because, you know, you're, you don't have all the perspective that you would typically have in a 2D game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't have all the information communicated to you because, you know, you need to have a whole 3D environment. And I think because of that, Astrobot really does a good job of, for example, if you're going to go into a platform into like a, a tightrope it just kind of has a little bit of a magnet effect, you know, where yeah. it just kind of gravitates you towards it. And I think that makes a huge difference in not making it frustrating. I could see how this game could be very frustrating if those little design decisions were not made. And I think this game really is a masterclass in design. So, yeah, I, yeah, I know. Isaiah, like, I almost wish that they used that kind of platforming mentality for all platform games, right? Like, just make mm-hmm. the jumping and so on a little bit more forgiving. There's something about jumping onto a platform in 3D and missing that, you know, it's just not satisfying at all. 
And uh, an AstroBot yeah. really just kind of solves that problem very simply and, and elegantly in that you just literally sometimes just cannot fall off. Like there's that little bit of a magnet. And uh, yeah. Yeah. also to your point about the motion sickness, I don't get sick playing this game. You know, it it's, it basically kind of solves the, that issue as well because the screen, mm. the whole screen moves forward so seldom and there's no turning either. You know, you kind of move the screen forward with your little robot and then you kind of have an area that you play around in and explore and, you know, you turn around and you look around and you see what's what. But the actual movement, very, very, very sparse. You know, I don't I don't yeah. feel ill at all all playing this game yeah and that's and that's why i feel like sony japan um i think it's an internal you know group within sony japan called the sobo team or something mm-hmm. and i i really think that they did a fantastic job in kind of foreseeing all the various issues that players could have in vr and you know course correcting for them and yeah. uh, i think that a lot of players a lot of developers would do very well to look at Astrobot and kind of see the design lessons that were learned in that game. Um, so, uh, yeah, Astrobot, fantastic game. The other game that I thought I was going to talk about was Inside by Playdead. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic game, very, you know, ambiental, very atmospheric. It's a game that I can only play so much of because it makes me feel very oppressed. Um, <laughs> it's a weird, weird sci-fi story that is very cryptic and yeah. mysterious. Um, it's it's a strange game, and I I don't think that there are many games out there that feel like that game does. Um, and I really think that you know, Playdead has managed to achieve a certain type of style that is cinematic without necessarily being cinema. You know, yeah. while always retaining that sense of agency. So, Inside is also a fantastic game. Um, you know, unfortunately, Astrobot was just that much more uh, memorable to me. But yeah. Inside was one that stuck out to me. I um, like that. Uh, in a world where we have Sekiro's and Resident Evil Twos and Jedi Fallen Orders, a game about being a tiny robot that wants to rescue all his tiny robot friends. Uh, is this good? It makes me very happy. <laughs> you know, yeah. listen, I mean, a big part of video games is just kind of being transported to an earlier time. And yeah. Astrobot does that very well. It really makes you feel like a kid. So I'm glad that it exists. And I hope that Sony Japan keeps on, you know, providing experiences like this. Yeah. Um, in terms of 2019, um, as with uh, a few of us, uh, like Arnie, I did not play a lot of 2019 games, um, but I did play just <laughs> enough. There are, there are a number of them that I still want to play. I want to play Sekiro, of course. Um, yep. I really want to play Astral Chain from Platinum. Um, yeah, that's one yeah. of the games that has been on my list. But, you know, as a Switch game, it's still full price. So at some point, I'm going to have to bite the bullet. Yeah. Uh, but Astral Chain is one that I missed out on. The other one that I missed out on because it came out late in the year and I just did not have the time to pick it up was Disco Elysium. Um, yep. That's a game that is really yep. influenced by Planescape Torment. And uh, it really looks like it ticks all the narrative boxes that I want in, you know, games nowadays. So um, where at any other year I would have been able to play it and mm-hmm. give you an assessment of it on whether it fell at my top, you know, ranking. But unfortunately, alas, that's not the case this year. So maybe in 2020, I'll be able to play it and tell you whether it made my cut for a favorite game that I played in 2020. Um, but missed opportunities. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 almost mm. made the top spot. 
Um, I really dug it. I really thought that it was a return to form for the series. Um, not that it ever went away. I think that the MC, the Ninja Theory, you know, version was good, and I yeah. think that it gets unfairly maligned for uh, a number of you know fan reasons, which I hate. Um, <laughs> but I think the problem with Devil May Cry Five is that I think I realized this year that I'm kind of over the hack and slash. Mm. Um, I think as, as Paul mentioned, you know, nowadays I'm seeking new experiences in my games. Yeah. And I, I do feel like Devil May Cry 5 is, is a game that's a kind of time capsule. You know, it's, it's very linear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It provides a very awesome experience. It makes you feel very good. Um, it's very fast paced. It has a lot of action. It's the game that 12 year old me loved. Um, <laughs> But I think that nowadays I'm craving more in my games and I'm craving more of a, of a complete experience in terms of its world building. And, uh, you know, because of that, I ended up choosing as my favorite game that I played in 2019 that, again, may not be the best game of the year, but at least it was the one that I spent the most time with. And that was uh, The Outer Worlds by um, Obsidian. All right on. I have... Yeah, I haven't really been able to talk about this game, but yeah. I dedicated about 30 hours to it. Um, I didn't continue with it just because, you know, I decided that I had my fill and I wanted yeah. to go on to other experiences. But I I really liked it. I, I One of the things that I liked the most about it is really that it made me feel like it was the Fallout that I wanted when I started playing Fallout 4. And it's a different game from Fallout. I think that, you know, the environments are smaller. It's kind of more segmented. You don't really have an open world per se, but it manages to feel open enough. And I think what I liked the most about it was the world building. I I really think that, you know, the fact that you had Tim Kaine, who was the original designer of Mm -hmm. Fallout, and Leonard Boyarsky, the other co-creator of Fallout, really brought a very fresh voice, you know, to the game. And it's very satirical. It's the type of game that I think we need in these times where it's not afraid to really make fun of the way things are right now with Mm. what we have is a very ultra-capitalistic environment where people are basically gamified and they're just kind of like widgets Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of a number on a spreadsheet. And, yeah. you know, nowadays everything is done in the interest of maximizing shareholder profits, etc. And this game just takes that and ramps it up to its, you know, logical endpoint. Yeah. And shows just how ridiculous it is that we have given so much power to corporations and we have made money the ultimate end goal of everything in life and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's really the fact that you know you have a corporation that basically says oh you know you're gonna be able to grow hair but you may lose your eyesight um (laughs) you know it's it's just saying things like that with a straight face um it's just absolutely fun and, and very nice to see in in the game industry um or other things like the fact that you have pigs that have been tested on and essentially you know, they grow cysts like tumors and those tumors are sold as food um, and oh. <laughs> something really, really disgusting, but that foreseeably you could see because it's very cheap to provide that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I found it very enjoyable. I found the gunplay very enjoyable, which is not something that you traditionally say. Does it still use the uh, like the aiming system like Fallout does or does it do something different? It does a little bit different. I mean, okay. the way that it works out is... 
it's kind of like VATS where it allows you to target things, but it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily tell you that you're targeting something. And instead of just pausing time, it just slows it down significantly. And you have oh, a time yeah. bar that runs out as you have it. So the more you move, uh, the more you lose it. And so if you stay still and you just target, um, then that's fine. Um, and so if you target the head, then you could you know, have them lose their eyesight so their targeting gets worse. Gotcha. If you target the feet, you yeah. know, they're slower. So, you know, if you target the torso, you do more critical damage, things like that. So I actually think that it's an improvement on the VAT system that was in yeah. Fallout because it doesn't lead to the same kind of pausing and moving, pausing and moving that you have in Fallout where you're constantly clicking, you know, the right bumper in order to trigger VATs to, one, see if there are any enemies that you haven't Mm -hmm. seen, and two, just kind of really think about what you're going to do next. It kind of makes you be on your toes a little bit more. And the other thing is that Obsidian finally was able to provide a game that was able to uh, be shipped without almost any significant game-breaking bugs. So I know that's kind of, <laughs> you know, weird to say, but, uh, you know, shout-outs to Obsidian for finally putting out a game that was polished enough to not break yeah. your console. Um, Goddamn. <laughs> but, you know, I did have one critical bug that I yeah. found very amusing, and that was that the game thought that my sex, my gender, was female. So everyone referred to me as a woman. Um, so either that was a glitch or we are living in a post postmodern time in which (laughs) we are the inverse sex, um, which possibly could happen. Who knows? Great glitch though. I mean, maybe they were just all throwing shade at you. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I don't know my own gender. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) You reminded me that I also played an obsidian RPG that I just recently finished in, um, Stick of Truth, South Park Stick of Truth. Mm, and that was interesting. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, More I enjoyed so than that I as well. I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know if I want a, the sequel. I don't know if I need that. I yeah. bought it on Black Friday, but I don't know if I'm ever going to play it. <laughs> but I definitely had a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. So right on, man. Those are Those are my uh 2019 picks, guys. So Pretty sweet. Anything else before uh, we close out? Yeah, no, it's I thought Outer Worlds, man, that one just passed me right by. Like, I saw it, and there was hype, and I really liked the aesthetic. And, but man, oh man, there's just so many games. Like, this is, it's not just 2019. This has been a long time now that there are just too many games to get through them all. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. and it helps that it's on Xbox Game Pass. So if anyone is on the fence about it, you know, and you have Xbox Game Pass, just play it and and see how it is which i think it's a fantastic proposition i think microsoft will really do well to continue its subscription service yeah i think that uh i should have lied and said death stranding for mine Uh, (laughs) so i want to amend that uh it's great i love urinating on things and making pee grenades (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'll probably play death stranding next year this year um and i'll be able to give an assessment on it uh i mean it's a kojima game eventually i will relent and play it (laughs) of course but you know i didn't feel an urgent need to play it you know before the end of the year um but you know i guess if we have you know really communicated something is we are not the most authoritative (laughs) voices in terms of you know what game was the best of 2019 we're not so if you're listening to us for that then you're making terrible life choices um 
But, you know, at least we can give you what we enjoyed from 2019. And maybe, yeah. hopefully, you're also going to enjoy it in 2020. So, with that said, happy 2020, guys. Um, really, I hope you guys stick with us. Uh, we really have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. And I hope that we can continue doing it because, you know, all of us are friends. And sneak preview, we're going to get together this year. All of oh, us yeah. are going to meet up for the first time. Mm. And we're all going to be in the same room for the first time ever. So, that's going to happen sometime in April. Yeah. We're and all going really to get to hear the dogs at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> hopefully, 2020 is going to be a great year. Hopefully, hopefully the 20s are going to be a great decade. Hopefully, we don't die in a fiery nuclear death. Um, we can hope. We yes, can hope. yes, we, we can do that. Um, we can do that. We can try and be optimistic. Yes. Yeah. I wish it's not our forte, but we're trying, damn it. We are trying. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, just remember... If you like what you hear, make sure to go to Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. You don't even need to subscribe. Just give us a review, guys. Um. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much, all the listeners, and, and you guys, obviously, for two awesome years. Uh, I think we can all agree that the true game of the year is the friends we made along the way. Oh, nice. Hey, hey, nice. That was a good one, man. Wow. Yeah, man. That's, wow. That, that belongs on Disney+. Uh, Plus. Yeah. yeah. I'll stream that. <laughs> We love you, Arnie. Like like we said uh, on the Battle Games Roundtable, Arnie, you're our effervescent ray of sunshine and uh, our chief procrastinator. So we love you. We uh, we swear that we're not gonna you know put you down that much on 2020. Um, you're gonna stick around with us. No, we're not <laughs> swearing anything so, like that. We're not. We're not this gonna fire actually, you. I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks. <laughs> this is really awkward. We uh, we resolved to not fire you this year, Arnie. So <laughs> people break um, their New Year's resolutions all the time. This gives me no job security whatsoever. <laughs> so if uh, if you want to hear more from us, uh, go to regionfreegamers.com. It's uh, we're gonna resolve to put more articles in there. So mm-hmm. definitely make sure to check it out. Um, we resolved to make timely companion posts uh for the website um you can find us at region free gamers podcast on instagram that's where you can usually find arnie you know Mm -hmm. throwing up shit um and putting up (laughs) questions and asking the community what they like what they don't like um whether pokemon really is better than thief um (laughs) and it's not but, it was scientifically yeah. <laughs> proven to be. Uh. <laughs> and uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at Region Free Gamer. Just that without an yep. S because Twitter, go figure. It's the yep. worst thing that was ever devised in the 2010s. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you can also find us all on Instagram. We're not going to go over yep. all of our handles, uh, but you can find us there. Um, you can find us tagged on the post that we put up on Instagram. Mm. Um, definitely always happy to talk to everyone that's really the most important part of what we do uh, you can't imagine every time someone says something nice yeah. we put it up on the thread and we're like ah that's so awesome yeah um so you are making you know close to middle-aged guys very happy by doing that so <laughs> teetering. speak for yourself teetering middle-aged yeah teetering on middle-aged um so you know stave off our midlife crisis a little bit further by giving us some good feedback um so <laughs> Damn, I, get, I gotta finish this off. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. This is it for all of us. Thank you. Happy 2020. We'll be back in another week, I guess, because we're running the Battle of 1998. That's right. And uh, we really love you guys. And uh, until next time, we'll do better next time. <laughs> See ya.